Hey everyone, today's episode is brought to you by Bluefish Design Studio in Tempe, Arizona. Bluefish Design is the ultimate brand building, marketing, ad agency you can deal with. They will work with everybody from big name developers to even little podcasters like us. If you want to rebrand your company, if you want to improve your digital media, your interactive media, these are the people to talk to. They're not trapped in the 80s or the 90s, they will bring your company to today, tomorrow, and the future. Bluefish Designs in Tempe, Arizona, check them out. They're www.bluefish, that's B-L-U-F-I-S-H.com. Once again, Bluefish, B-L-U-F-I-S-H. Now to today's episode about value wines all across the world. Thanks. Phone is off. Cool, 9-2-ish. No. Yeah, vibrate without vibrate mode. Honestly, I think my phone's off almost all the time anyways. My, uh, I leave mine on uh, like silent without vibrate because it's super annoying just to have it go. And Sarah hates every time. It's like ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I've just gotten to the point with me and a phone. I'm just kind of over it ringing all the time and people. It was nice back in the 80s when if I wasn't at home, leave me a message. I'll call you when I get home. It's like that's how you get a hold of me. Now it's like. People feel like they have to get a hold of you. Like, I called you on the cell phone. I called you. It's like, I'm, I was doing something. I was shopping. I was driving. I was raking leaves. I was, you know, playing video games. I was listening to music. I was reading a book. Like, I, uh, I, if I, I leave my headphones on, and because they're Bluetooth, when I listen to my music while they work, they actually don't go off if somebody calls me or texts me on my phone, so I don't notice it. So, like, I'll go back three hours later, and because I'll, like, I'll listen to a podcast or something, and I'll just be like, oh, I missed, like, five calls and this, and... It's really annoying that it does that, but then I'm constantly like, why didn't you answer? Why didn't you answer? It's like, dude, like I had other things I had to do. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm I've gotten bad about it over the last few months of just pretty much not checking my phone sometimes for eight hours at yeah. a time. It's kind of nice. Like I'll I'll put it on the charger, I will just put it aside and I'll start doing something around the house. And I'll watch a little TV or I'll play, you know, a game or I'll read a book or and I don't even think about my phone. And then I get up and I go check it and there's like 14 messages and I'm in, you know, multiple chains with different people. And <laughs> yeah. it was like, then I do kind of feel bad. I'm like, oh man, I, you know. Yeah, miss something small, but it's never like really a crazy priority. Yeah, I mean, Maddie texts me a couple times. He's like, he's like, are you alive? And I'm like, I just wasn't paying attention. Sorry, man. <laughs> like, you know, what's one thing I've noticed that's gone away is uh, ringtones that were uh, all music based. Oh my God, you're right. Remember it, like it used to always be a song and somebody would always have something. Now it's the same like, five different things you hear it's like a chirp a ding or some people do the old school ringtone or the actual vibrating ring um from like an old telephone but i never i honestly i cannot think of anybody i've heard recently that had a ringtone that was a song <laughs> i think part of that too is because it's almost embarrassing in a way or you're kind of put yourself in a hole like you're like i really like this song and all of a sudden like you're some manly dude and all of a sudden it's playing like Taylor Swift or you know? <laughs> that would actually be really fun though but um, oh that gives me a great idea for a bet you should make somebody who loses a bet have to for a month have their ringtone as one of the dumbest songs ever <laughs> I used to do some pretty ruthless stuff when I got a hold of people's phones like I never did the one where well maybe I did it once or twice but where you change the language on a phone mm -hmm. back in the day I mean that was a common that was, always a fun one. that was a common one to mess with your friends but I would go in and change people's names 
I would change like oh yeah, that's a good one. I went into my buddy Rob's, my old roommate's phone one night. We were all hammered, and I changed all these people's names to superheroes. <laughs> so he was having Batman call him, and Rob, like it would just be like so like Batman oh, is calling. Dude, that's so a great idea. He was so confused. Like he was also kind of like me in a way. He was one of those people where a lot of people would call him, but he didn't call a lot of people. Uh-huh. So he didn't notice some of these for months. Like, because if you're not scrolling through your phone going, oh man, oh. where's John's phone number in here? And then all of a sudden you look down and you're like, why does it say that? <laughs> Dude, and the worst thing about that is, and if you really want to be evil about it, delete their text history with that person. So there's zero chance they find out because there is no way with the exception of maybe your old house phone or maybe your mom's at best, you're going to remember that phone number. There's no way. Yeah. I Honestly, when I was doing this, this is before there was really any sort of texting. And if it was, it was like push a number three times for one letter. Oh, uh, what do they call that? T9? Dude, I used to be able to do that so well. Like, I could look at somebody straight in the eye, have a totally separate conversation, know exactly what I was texting, and nail it. Now, if I try, like, on my iPhone to write a text without looking, I look down, and it looks like I had a stroke while I was trying to text somebody. Sometimes it's crazy because, like, you, I go to put a website in, like, www. whatever, yeah. and I hit, my finger is going straight up and down, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, up and down and going www and it turns out it goes w e e yeah almost every time every time like, I, could, did I have that all the time okay I just want to make sure deleting. it's not just you okay I mean I know we all have the problem with ducking and instead of fucking and well I love this one the other day this was this was the text I sent you and I thought this was funny because I didn't see the typo and I looked at you saying hey that's a funny typo but then it said type instead of typo so I think you missed it but when I showed you that picture of that Behringer White Zim and uh, from two thousand and five which clearly is garbage right now vintage yeah but i was like uh since your mom's coming to town it's like your mom might appreciate a nice aged white zin but instead of it i typed in zin but it autocorrected it to sun so it says your mom might appreciate a nice aged white sun <laughs> and i was <laughs> laughing so hard that's at that kind of funny <laughs> and of course you followed it up with your face bashing the table oh <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know because i didn't realize i didn't even notice that till later on the, the worst one i've ever sent somebody and it autocorrected like i usually <laughs> i double check a lot. a lot but the the worst one i could re- at least remember was in the wine business i was asking somebody about placements a placement is if you go to a restaurant and you present them seven wines and you maybe you're gonna follow up the next day and say hey do we get any placements that means hey they picked two of them they're going on the list next week or i think i already know what this y- is gonna y- correct y- to you're you're at a bottle shop and you're like so did they pick any wines up yeah you got four new placements in the shop super that means great news i texted this girl after working with her one day and i said hey did you get any placenta yeah, yesterday? I saw that the second you said placement. I was like, and, placenta. and I don't know how or why my phone, because I've never typed that word before in my yeah, life. It's weird because it, it like it wasn't in my history of words I've typed. Yeah. And why I would tr- change placements. But maybe I don't know if placements is a word with the S. I mean, it's a word, but it's not a. Maybe it's not the word it recognizes. Right. Because I mean, when you say placement, I don't, I don't know why, yeah. but it just, it autocorrected it and I was typing it so fast and I hit send and I looked down and I went, no, I've definitely had a couple of those where I've been like, Sarah had a great one and uh, I don't even know if I could say it on here, but she autocorrected it and then text me back with like, oh my God, no, that's not what I meant. And just panic typed after that, like 12 more times. Yeah. That, the only other thing that's ever the most corrected word on the planet is duck. Duck oh. gets used. More than any other word. I bet if, honestly, if somebody were to Google translate a lot of things, they'd be like, why does people talk about duck so much? (laughs) 
Yeah, it, it's gotten a lot of notoriety recently. There's been a lot of commercials also that have talked, you know, bring up the ducking and there's been comedians. Shotting and, and this is such shot. <laughs> yeah, and that's another one that's happened. So yeah, I have a habit being in the wine business. If I can't type win, I, I instantly put an E on the end of all my, every yeah. every time I text somebody like, hey, did you win that game? And it won't. I'll Auto automatically. wine? No, I will put the E on there subconsciously yeah. every single time. I cannot type win without typing wine. Huh. Which Weird. I guess, hey, it means you're winning, right? I guess so. Or whining. Whining, winning, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. So speaking of winning and whining. <laughs> Let's transition to the same. Be like, speaking of winning. <laughs> See, we got this down yeah, now. Yeah, we know this. We know. Start a little <laughs> intro of whatever's going on. Bullshit about life for a few minutes. Yeah. And now we're getting the perfect segue down. So this this will be a fun one today, man. Just because we have such a random stuff. Here. So All right. So for everybody who's listening, we're actually doing a blind test of $20 value wines. Uh, for the holidays. Uh, let's just say sub-20. Sub-20. And wines you can bring, say, to a party. Yeah. Um, it's a problem that I've had over the years is what to bring somewhere. There's a reason. I love qu- certain types of wines. I like quality wines. I know I can get a quality 20 or $30 bottle, but sometimes I, I do want to go bring a $50 bottle. But it, are the people at the party going to like that? Yeah. Are they going to like my funky you know, Britannomyces Cote d'Aron. Are they going to like that aged Barolo that's going to have grippy tannins in the front end? I mean, so so sometimes when you go to a party, it's not what you're going to drink at home. Also, when I go to a party, I don't want to dive into my collection because most of my friends are... Not crazy wine drinkers. Also, yeah. you're going to get less than a glass, most likely. So, like, it, I learned this lesson from when you and I had Thanksgiving the other night. You know, granted, we were around some wine people and some not wines. But I bought three really awesome wines I wanted to try, and I barely got a glass. Barely. I mean, barely got a glass out of any of those. I think one of them I didn't even get a try. You brought one. I didn't get a try. It was all gone. And uh, it's like, dang, like, just because I, I watched one of the girls who was there drinking, she just grabbed a bottle and glug, 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 and she didn't care. And it was uh, it was the Brunello. And I was like, she hated it. She literally sipped it. And was like, oh, I don't like this. But now she's got a whole glass of it. Yep. And I'm just like, oh, man. So now it's definitely at that point where like, all right, it's holiday holiday times. We just got past Thanksgiving. Now it's all the Christmas parties and everybody's getting ready to go out with their friends and obviously have Christmas dinner and New Year's is even coming up with it. So 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 inexpensive stuff isn't bad. Yeah. So Christmas party, we're all going to be invited to a lot of different Christmas parties. You're going to have those dinners or those certain ones that you know you're going to be around your wine friends. You're going to be around certain people. You're like, all right, I can open up this really special bottle because I'm around, you know, it's you, me, Joe, Matt. We have our select group of people that I can share some good stuff with. But the general, if I just throw a party and invite 30 people over, I can't dive into the $50 bottles. No, no way. Or if I go to a party, I'm always going to bring wine. You know me. I always bring wine to a party. I don't want to just throw $200 with wine on the table, once again, to have somebody just fill up a glass to the rim and walk away and not like it or not have a clue what they're drinking or how special that bottle is to me. So... The focus of today is going to be a lot about wines that maybe have some fun packaging, fun labels, drink well, why we picked it. Like, honestly, I went with a couple wild cards. I think you did too. Maybe yeah, stuff that, I, I've got a couple unique thing right here I think you'll find really crazy. But there's stuff, honestly, I went to the store and I bought two wines that I would bring to a party. That's, I brought, that's, that's what I really did. Okay. I, 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 I literally thought, okay, if I'm going to a party tonight and I want to spend no more than you know 20 bucks on a bottle what am i gonna buy so i brought one that uh i figured it's one of those it's name brand that people know uh they're they have a variety from ten dollars to like 
I think I saw one on the top shelf for like 90 and it's like, get out of here. And, uh, but this is their right in the middle, you know, $20 bottle that I think most people would walk in, look at a shelf. They'd look at 50, 60, 70 different cabs and be like, ah, well, this one's right here in front of my face and just grab it and go. So, and see, I would bring, if I was hanging out with certain people, I would bring say a fine French wine that had a very generic label, like a generic French label, like something that's a Chateau, this Pomerol, blah, 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 blah. Whereas if I went to a actual party with friends and various, you know, guys and girls from all walks of life, I'm going to bring something with more of a fun label. Cause if you bring that old 1920s looking label to a fun party in 2018, people are going to think maybe it's a little dusty and old and weird. And whereas you bring something with a liger on it or something that's kind of got like some fun graphics, yeah, a cool and, label that's, Oh, Hey guys, look at how awesome this thing looks. Something that's bedazzled. You're going to get, you know, a, a generation of people are going to pick it up and be like, wow, I want to drink this. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's Christmas. It's a fun party. This isn't some formal dinner we're having. Yeah. You know, these are, these. It's funny though. Neither one of us grabbed a box or uh, one of those like black box wines or like a Francia one or something like that. Cause even then, and I'm sure we'll do an episode of boxed wines. <laughs> oh, which we'll drink. Very much so. But uh, yeah, that's, that's still, people wouldn't drink that. You know what else people probably wouldn't bring to a party? Here's the thing about this. They wouldn't bring a six pack of wine. It's a bottle. You'll show up to anybody's house with a six pack of beer and be like, cool, I brought a six pack of beer or even like a, like a pack of cans and people will be fine. But if you showed up with a six pack of wine, people will be like, what the hell? How, like that's, that's one of those, again, visual things that might be really weird, but there might be better wine in that can than there would be in a, you know, $8 bottle. Yeah. Not to mention though, also, you know, the size of cans, you know, yeah, they're weird. Cans are a little are aren't they a little more than a glass? Are they uh, like eight it, ounces usually. Yeah, it depends because I mean, you get the Red Bull size ones, the one eight sevens, which is technically a glass ish. And then I've seen a liter can before, and it's crazy. And I'm not talking about Fosters, but I've seen a liter wine, and <laughs> just like that's that's so nice because that's weird pouring glass. You imagine pouring a can into a glass for four people, <laughs> or you know, just drinking it by yourself would look weird. Got, yeah, I'm thinking. Uh, Foster's oil can. Yeah, that's literally what I'm th- like picturing. Yeah. Like, there's a guy here in Arizona. that has got oil, the one one liter rosé, and it's dude holding it looks weird. It's like you're getting ready to throw like a football almost. There was some unique packaging that I actually saw at the store today. I hadn't seen some of. Uh, there was a wine that was bottled in what looked like a fine olive oil bottle. It was square. Oh, okay. Like, you know how you get yeah. those, those olive oil bottles? I, I figured you thought, like, the small skinny ones, like the ice wines, but it was a square one. It, it was a square one, kind of like if you go to, like, a fine yeah. food store and you look at the Italian real olive oils, a lot of them are going to be in, like, tall square bottles. Yeah. And they had a 750 square bottle, which I thought was unique. So I guess my only complaint on that would be is, you know, I look at something like tequila probably has its best. I don't think there's any tequila bottle that is universally the same. I look at a lot of whiskey bottles, and they're all relatively the same. Some are different in styles. Obviously, they're made different in different ways, with the exception of like some scotches. But wine, you have two real bottles, Bordeaux and Burgundy. Obviously, they vary in weight, size, and everything. But you don't really want to go out of the norm of that, because if people are going to sell them, you can't put them in. You can't get the weird, crazy bottles, like that Travaglini that looks like a weird decanter. A square bottle wouldn't exactly be great for a seller, or it actually might be perfect, because then you could stack them. 
like having a square bottle actually might be the perfect bottle because you could literally stack those yeah, and not have to worry about them sliding. Because I've had burgundy bottles laying on each other on a side, and I've seen them slide off of each other. That's why you can't stack them on their side like up yeah, like you can. Yeah, you have to put them straight up sometimes. You, you can't do like a, a pyramid laying yeah, down yeah, a pyramid. With, bur- with burgundies. Yeah, but you could in a square. So maybe a square is actually the best bottle. Oh, I just talked myself out. I was going to say squares are stupid, and now I'm like, oh, wait, these might be a smart idea. It was unique. I mean, I think it was a... Plus, it won't roll off the table if it falls down. <laughs> it was a red blend. So my guess is that it was... My vision right now, when you go to a red blend section in a store, I'm th- I think of those wines right now mentally as being subpar in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think some of the red blend category is hurting itself in that. Because if you look at that section, there's a lot of what looked like old Australian wines like with funky weird labels but when you try those wines you have get a lot of the ones that have a lot of sweetness a lot of sweetness a lot like I think that's that's the problem with our bulk wine industry in this country is there's so much of it out there that people want to go crazy be like oh I blended a Pinot Noir with a Zinfandel with a Syrah and a Cabernet and a Carmenere and a Tempranillo and we called it you know I don't know like garage blend and make a cool label and sell it for seven bucks make a quick dollar and turn it around, which is kind of unfortunate. So you get away from having hundred percent this hundred percent that, which, you know, isn't a problem because, you know, blends are great. You know, if you have like a bad year and you need something to beef up your cab, cool, blend in a little. But nowadays you're right. I think a lot of people are just making these blends, trying to hit the mass for everybody to have a semi-sweet kind of red. It's not too tannic. It's, you know, not too oaky. It's just this, you know, mcdonald's of wine kind of a thing that's actually a good way to put it just that generic mega purple flavored just yeah. tastes like grape juice yeah but when i looked at that section i was no not to give it away but i was thinking about a red blend i wanted because when you go to a party you want to bring some of the fun labels so i was looking at all the labels look at the labels a couple labels i thought were kind of fun but then when i actually started looking at maybe where it came from or who made it i was really turned off because I started thinking of the Apothic Reds of the world. I was going to say Seven Deadly Zins, but yeah, Apothic Red, yeah. That, that to me is the, the all the way to the one side of the spectrum of that sweet wine. Trust me, there's a reason why they sell a million cases a year. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why it's stacked everywhere. And there's a reason why big name producers switched to a similar style without the blend by adding that little bit of sweetness and consistency so that you get the same bottle. No matter where you go in this country, if you buy Apothic Red, you're going to get the exact same bottle. And that's where something like the Prisoner has done well is branding themselves as the prisoner and not as just red blend. Yeah. Because now when you think of that wine, you don't say I'm drinking Orange Swift's red blend. I'm drinking the prisoner. Yeah. It's and got its own it, name. It's wasn't got it a, used to, didn't it used to just be Zinfandel at one point? I thought when the prisoner first came out, it was just Zinfandel. Or am no, I crazy? You're, I think you're crazy. It was a, it was a blend. It was, else. it was a, a kitchen sink blend that turned out fantastic. But I think, I don't know the whole story necessarily behind it, but from what I think I remember is that, you know, they were buying wine from other people. So it was wine that, and then they just did the blend. So the problem with when you buy wine from other people and then you make the blend is that the next year it might end up different. The next year it might end up different. You might hit a home run one year and then you can't duplicate it the next year. Now you could try, if you own the vineyards and you owned all the fruit, you can come closer to duplicating it year in and year out. But when you don't and you're buying four separate varietals from four separate producers, you could have a lot of fluctuations year in and year out with that wine. And I know they've hit some home runs and I know they've had swung and miss a few times. And one thing though, for like an Apothic Red is, you know, if you're going to get different bulk juice to make that Apothic Red up, 
you know, the easiest way to make it consistent is make it a little sweet and do a lot of oak and you can make that really taste similar day in and day out, no matter what you do. You're staring at that glass like something's up. It's this, this, these ones are going to mess with you. There's, there's one in here that's for sure going to mess with you. And I'm really excited to see what, what you think. No, I understand. So my take on it, you know, the, the one that I poured first, does it the one A or the two B? <laughs> I, 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 you, you, yours is the threes. Yeah, yeah. One tastes a little old. It tastes a little iodiney, a little bloody. It's got that. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like you know when you bite your lip or you know you get punched in the face and you're uh, you got that bloody taste. It's got that. It's got a real taste like that to me. It's lacking fruit. And the lacking of the fruit works well for a lot of groups, but I think mentally off the top of my head, maybe it wouldn't work for a general party. No. Of the general public. Just, just, these are the, the, that you, when I was staring into the glass, that's what's running through my head and spitting. Yeah. You know, was. It's what, what is the, what's the group going to think of this? Which I, I always love this. And this is so true. I think this completely across the board. And this is why I think we as people are weird. I know the wines I love and I'll drink, but every time I'll pull those out, I get so self-conscious of what everybody else will think about that wine. But yet you and I will constantly sit here and say, drink what you like, mm -hmm. because that's all that matters. But there's, there's a lack of truth in that because <laughs> I'll sit there and be like, drink what you like and da, da, da. But if you're going to go to a party, you really want people to like what you're bringing them. So you're right. Like how you were saying, oh, are they going to like the Brolo, the San Giovese? In this case, you know, you don't want to be the guy who brought a wine or a beer to the party or whatever. And people go, God, that sucked. <laughs> yeah. I need something that's universally friendly. Yeah. Not something that is specialized to the the 5% of my friends that are going to really, truly appreciate it. You know, you know, I have a really weird thought and I, I want to go down this because this just popped in my head a little bit and we're going to get off wine for a second. But I've noticed like a lot more people eat out more instead of eating at home. And my thought is I'm wondering as like people get older, we're all get or uh, like the younger kids are growing up. They're getting so self-conscious about certain things. So therefore, like uh, instead of people making food at home because they don't want to be blamed for making the bad dish, they can be like, oh, we went to this restaurant and the restaurant sucked and that place, blah, blah, blah. It almost feels the same a little bit with certain drinks because every time I go somewhere, I, we just did this the other night on, uh, it was Thursday because it was karaoke night. Nobody could get a pitcher of beer because nobody wanted to be the guy who got the IPA that everybody hated. So everybody just kind of looked at each other like, uh, what do we get? I don't know. All right, well, we'll get the Miller Lite. All right, cool. And then bring the Miller Lite. Oh, God, Miller sucks. And we all universally agreed Miller sucked at the time. But nobody wanted to branch and get like the random IPA or pale ale or Kolsch beer or something because everybody was so self-conscious about ordering the beer that the table would have hated. And I feel like wine going to a party might be a little similar to this. So I'm wondering, you know, like now that it's like party season, how many people like Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Cab Sales have got to be going through the roof right now because at least you have three consistent. Well, there's white drinkers, so let's just get a Chardonnay, and we have red drinkers, and you don't really miss on Pinot and Cab. Somebody might branch and do like a Zinfandel or maybe a Merlot, but I bet a lot of people avoid that Chianti or French section real fast. Of course, because... You want your friends to be happy. If I'm, what I'm bringing to a party is not what I'm going to consume at my house. Yeah. This is, these are gifts. These are, and and I don't. When I take something to a party, I don't want myself to be happy. I want everybody else to be happy. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I try and bring stuff that's universal. And I do bring some European wines, but some 
we've seen it. We've been to a party where somebody comes up. It happened even at the, Thanksgiving the, when, when people looked at the bottle and said, what is this? Yeah. And, and they were all willing to try it and they all really liked it. But when they see it, there's this almost scared to try look. Where when it says Napa Cab, they walk up, they go, oh, Cab, I really like Cab. And they just yeah. start pouring it. Or, ooh, I really like this label. I'm, and, and they're like excited to try it. Yeah. Where if it, they can't pronounce it or it's a little funky or weird, I go nuts. But I'm, I'm looking at the general public, the, the, the 90 percenters. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, the second they look at that bottle, you know, I, but maybe that's something where so like you and I and, and like wine people would be really good with this. It's maybe our like job in a sense to have that confidence to sit there and say, man, I know you're looking at that bottle. It's super weird, but I'm telling you, you're going to like it. If you like that one, you'll like this one. Cause honestly, wine is very, you know, obviously subjective, but we can convince people that they're going to like that wine just by telling them like, Oh, you're going to taste this or you're going to enjoy this. It might be a little tannic here, blah, blah, blah. Cause if you just let somebody look at that bottle, you nailed it a little earlier. The only thing that's going to make them drink it is, is it cab, pinot, shard, whatever, or is it a cool looking label and they'll try it. But if you brought a weird wine, They'll just stare at it, maybe set it back down. But if you were standing right there and said, no, I'm telling you, try it. It's going to be big, bold, fruitful, whatever. Then they might be hyped to try something new. Like it's literally the job you had and I had, like when I'm standing yeah. in front of a tasting bar. But we won't do it with our friends. But it's weird. Like I wouldn't stand in front of my friends because I feel like I'd be condescending. Like, oh, John, the wine guy, you know, talking about his wines again. But I love it. I would love to do that. <laughs> but I won't. I won't well, do it with my friends. When we go out to dinner, a lot of times people look at me to buy it to get the bottle of wine. And I'm yeah, like, I do. I even I do it with you. I'm like Damien here. Look at the menu. And how many times I'm like, no, nah, man, you guys just pick it. Like yeah. I, wa- I want you two guys to be happy because if I pick something and everyone, we're gonna I'm, get something weird. I'm gonna pick something that I like. Yeah. <laughs> and I know there's a good chance that you guys might not like what I like. And, and yet the people are looking at you to get them something weird. But again, you don't want to be the guy who makes everybody feel I, weird by having the the kerner. If you pulled a kerner out at the table, I'd be like. Fuck yeah, this is great. All right. But the other people be like, oh, I don't so know. root of the problem. When it comes to beer, there's only a handful of types of beer out there, mm-hmm. and you could go down a category: IPA, stouts, porters, lagers, and and within a month of your life, you could try just about every generic type <laughs> of beer out there. You yeah. could try. Ton, Dude, you could ton, probably do it in an afternoon if you yeah. really try. I could try a lager. I could try this, 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 this. Yeah. Whereas when you get into wine. You could spend five years and barely scratch the surface of what Italy produces for wine and the nuances, and that's where it's intimidating. That's where the general public will go to beer, or they go to whiskey, or they go to certain categories, because hard liquor, you got whiskey, you got rum, bourbon, and scotch, and those are the three categories of whiskey, basically. And and then there's little nuances and differences, but with wine, it's so intimidating for the general public. Yeah, because you and I did this in one of our first podcasts. We had the same cab. Same producer, same vintage, two separate sides of the valley, totally different wines. Yep. So, okay, going back to the wines now real quick. So the first one I think that I tried was a little old, a little old, a little aged. Um, In its youth, it might work out well or better for a party. I think it's right now maybe needs to open up, but it has doesn't have a lot of fruit. Uh, The second one's a lot more fruit forward. It has a lot more... like almost like a red vine licorice sweetness to it. It's definitely has really mild tannins. If I was to bring two of these to the party, this is the one that would be gone Quick. in no time. It's Quick. fruity. It has, you know, the right amount of oak on it. It's very light. You're right. The tannin, it's there enough where people would be like, ooh, it's, you know what people would say? Ooh, this is a bit dry. And what they mean to say is there's like a little tannin on it. But, and, and the, the, but it's super tasty, you know, for 20 bucks. The five letter word that everybody uses when a wine is good. 
Smooth. Smooth. Yeah. It is. It's that, that means they like it. Yeah, when they look at you, go, ooh, smooth. But but you're wrong about one thing. It's not five letters. S-M-O-O-T-H. <laughs> Six. <laughs> All right. So my spelling is as good as your pronunciation. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> one glass of wine and my spelling goes to uh, Yeah. That's, yeah, it's always been that way, yes. though. It's not just me. All right, so we agree that 1A, 1A is the old tasting kind of one where there's not a ton of fruit and the acid fell off. It's mildewy to me. Mildewy? Like, you know when you leave your clothes laundry, on. your clothes in the washer? You think that smells like that? No, it tastes like that to me. Oh, hold on. I got to try I, it now. I, I keep getting... It happened the first time. It's got this musty towel thing, but it's not like corked, but it rem, it's got this... It reminds me of... Like the pool area, like I know what you're up. saying. I have a different flavor for that. It was, I was gonna say like a soggy taco almost, like where like the like the the starchiness is gone, the corn flour is gone. It's just this soggy cardboardy taste. Well, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's try the ones you got. All right, so let's unveil yours. Let's do because we're gonna keep drinking these and talking about All it right now. But we, I, I wanted to brown bag these with John just because I didn't want to have my perception of the wines get skewed because if he said, oh, look, I have Apothic Red right here, instantly my mind is going to hate it. But you never know. Maybe it goes in my glass and I will like it. Somebody did that, actually. Uh, we were doing a red blend tasting and Apothic Red was in there. And actually, it was the least sweet of the seven or what that we had in the panel. I was actually <laughs> really shocked. It was it was like the second to least sweet of all of them. And I figured it would be at the very top of the sweetness. All right, you ready? If I can untie this bag right here. Not that it matters. I know what's in them. So it's the exact same wine. Okay. I bought a collection of wine a while ago, and this was randomly in there, and I figured I'll get today's version of it. So I got this. This one is a 2016 Sonoma County Rodney Strong. Rodney Strong. Was the one you said fruit and young. This one is the Sonoma County Rodney Strong from 2008. Wow. It's 10 years old. So it's a 10-year-old Rodney Strong. It's the same exact bottle. Eight years apart, and you could see how it really just fell off and did that. And like I said, this this was in this collection I bought. So I figured, hey, you know, I've got it's, this here. That's clearly a twenty dollar cab. I'll go buy the today twenty dollar cab version of it. Kind of cool to see how it it it's not. It wasn't built to make it ten years. Yeah, it was built to make it to the to from the time you go to the store till you got home. But I can appreciate why they would serve this Rodney Strong Sonoma at. Uh, a restaurant by the glass, by the glass, especially like a corporate restaurant, because yeah, one this is probably a, not expensive. It, 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 it's not overly expensive. It's not. It's produced in a quantity that they can support a restaurant group that has fifty restaurants. This is easily what fourteen dollar, fifteen dollar glass in Arizona. I don't know what it'd be anywhere else, but in Arizona is probably what that is. Maybe a little less. I mean, but yeah, and I got it because you know, like I said, on the bottom shelf, it reminded me of almost like a Mondavi. There was a ten dollar one on the shelf. There was this one at 20. They had a $30 uh, Knights Valley one, a $40 Nap one, and then they had a $100 Reserve Sonoma, Sonoma County one. And I'm in, I'd be intrigued to see that entire lineup. I'm not going to do it, but <laughs> maybe so, one day. Really, though, that Rodney Strong, the, the current vintage, would be such a crowd pleaser at a party for ordinary wine drinkers. That It would be probably the first couple of August gone. Somebody that drinks... 15 bottles a year, 10 bottles a year with their friends here and there. Not like every week they have a bottle, but somebody who just, that would be a, a great bottle of wine for them. A good introductory bottle. I think it'd be a good gateway bottle. Someone who says, hey, 
I only like kind of like sweet wines. I don't. I want to start drinking more reds. Yeah. Can Can you recommend something that's kind of a good gateway into reds? And I could recommend that because the tannins are soft, supple. They're not aggressive. It's a little fruit forward. Like yeah. And for fifteen dollars, oak is so light on it. I mean, you kind of get a little of that oak flavoring on the end, which you know a lot more people seem to like it. Honestly, if I made the same wine and oak the hell out of it, people would actually like the oak a little bit more. And and people love Cabernet. I mean, yeah, that's. I worked this party, uh, a very high end party, this past weekend to help a friend out, and the owner of the house had brought out some great, great wines, and he had three separate very high end Cabernet Sauvignons, and somebody comes up and goes. What's the best one? I said, the one that begins with cab and ends with Ernay. <laughs> like, it's like, they're all good. Like, cab or Ernay. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> the, either the, one. The one whose last name is Sauvignon. I don't know. We, like, we did a, a private label for a horse charity out here in Arizona called uh, Horses Help, and we did Cabernet. And it was just, it was so gimmicky, and we sold all of it. And Chardonnay. I was like, oh my God, this is really smart. <laughs> It's perfectly gimmicky. Wow. I know. All right. We have a wow wine too eventually. All right. So three. So now my so. panel, my, my two bottles, um, my two bottles. I literally went shopping pretending I had a party to go to tonight. Ooh. I like and it. I, I had a budget and I said, this is what I'm going to spend. And actually the GM recognized me of the store I went to. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to the total. I, oh, I, total. I went to the big total wine up the street. Like, okay. it's actually, I think it's one of the bit top two or three. The uh, Camelback one. The Camelback yeah. one. Yeah. Well, it's right next to that freeway. Some of the. It's one of the busiest in the nation. And uh, the GM totally recognized me, and I was like, "Oh, I'm here to buy wines for uh, a podcast." And he's like, "Oh, you buying Sexton?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> I, I I got those at home. Like, I don't need to do. I don't need to buy those from you." This all right? And so this, please. This is you to talk, because I talked All about right. yours. This is, this is really interesting. All right, so the one thing I noticed first right out of the gate, one of them is a screw cap. One of them was cork. Obviously, these two were corked as well. By the way, uh, these two were still the same cork, that compact cork, not synthetic or any means. So the first one, the 3A, <laughs> so the screw a, cap one. Screw cap A. Screw cap A. It's... It's got this funky characteristic to it, and it's like, it's like a real fruity nose... But like a like a stinky funk, not like a bo or farty kind of a funk. But there's like a, a real, almost like a uh, like a, a kimchi fruit, fruit that's I, I was gonna go kimchi, not fermented fruit. <laughs> but like oh, I mean, now that you're saying it, I can kind of say it. But the one thing I'm noticing there's an effervescence to this. It, there's it, like a there's a hit of it on the back of my nose, which honestly makes me immediately think of Beaujolais Nouveau or something. <laughs> now, I. I didn't go crazy with the varietal. Yeah, I, will tell I, wouldn't you. Think, I wouldn't think you would have gone crazy I, 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 with once it. Once again, I wanted something mainstream, fun packaging, and semi-recognizable. You know, I, I could have gone classic, you know, uh, uh, crazy something from Tuscany or Northern Italy or but yeah, I, but I, you, Sicily. It's a party, yeah. So you gotta you gotta go with the party. Yeah. So and that's the other thing is if I bring a wine to a party, sometimes I just want to set the bottle down, say I brought that, and I don't want to spend thirty minutes talking about the wine because otherwise it smells like a fruit cake almost, like like a real fresh pa- made fruit cake, pan- like or, panettone, like that. I don't know uh, panettone, like a cheesecake. Oh, uh, what's that? What's the what's the cake with all the fruit packed on top of it? You know what I'm talking like a fruit. Is it fruit tart? Fruit cake. Is it, no, but is a fruit cake like in it? But like you know, like literally, like all the fruit on top. Is that actually a fruit cake? No, I thought it was a tart. I don't know my desserts like I at don't all. Need, I don't. I don't you know. know me. I, know I, I never order dessert. Yeah. But if you can picture this in your mind for listeners, 
it's like cake. You go to the store and there's like kiwis, strawberries, blueberry, all that stuff on it. It smells like somebody pushed that all together right in my face. The one that you get for Christmas and you regift it the next year. <laughs> yeah, I think we still have one in the freezer from a birthday two years ago. So in Italy, they have those fruit cakes that they call penetones. And I brought one. I had one with. I brought one back from Italy, and we had it with your dad. Oh yeah, I remember that. You did bring with, that yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah. with the quinato. Yes, and it has like nuts. Yes, and fruit, and it's all baked in like. It's a crazy homemade bread. I remember yes. that now. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But that's not what I'm thinking. <laughs> but there's almost like a, almost like a fruit roll-up nose to it. Yeah, like it's like it's like a candy, a like can, a candy, a candy, like candy cherries, candy cherry? strawberries. Correct. Yeah, something processed, but fresh, like fresh processed. And the taste is, uh... wow, it's real easy to drink. Very light, very fruity. It's very light, very fruity, super easy, and that favorite six-letter word, smooth. Actually, actually, you know what? We should make a t-shirt that says that five-letter <laughs> word everybody loves, smooth. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> it's got a, actually a surprisingly long finish. You think so? I don't have any finish at all. Because... It's very light and subtle, but it still keeps going. Like my mouth is still kind of water. Like swish that around and try All that right, again. Give it a try. Because I feel like there's still something going on, even 10, 15 seconds later with this. Like it doesn't have a lot of flavor, but it has long flavor. I see. Which is, it's so light. I guess yes. if you were talking to you're somebody, still, you're, but you're, I am. you're still, it's I still see there. you. It's you're your lips smacking as you're talking. But if you, yeah, if you ate something immediately afterwards, it's you know what it is. It's on the very back of my tongue. Is where it's still lingering. I, I, you're right. It's weird. It's uh, it's so subtle, but it just keeps going. But there's almost like there's no tan into it at all. None. It's real fruit. Yeah, I would definitely. Not- you know what? Okay. While people would enjoy the Rodney Strong cab and maybe talk about it a little bit, people would pound this. Pound it. Pound it. Like this would be like the Bud Light where people were just drinking it versus the Rodney Strong would be like a Budweiser. Like there's more flavor to it. I could pound that. Imagine imagine that with in Dustin's hands. Oh, dude. The I know bottle he, with a with a straw in it. I mean, I know he likes his very extracted crazy blend. I was blends. just actually going to say this doesn't have enough alcohol to be but, <laughs> Dustin but, wine. But I think this is a wine that he would just literally just chug that he would be able to I, I bet I bet new wine drinkers would or people who had never drank wine and had to drink wine because there's no other option would really like this. I think this would actually be a better wine to give somebody who's never had it before and be like, listen, I got this for you. It's real easy. I actually, I, I enjoyed that one. Wow. All right. I'm actually pleasantly surprised by the two wines that I brought. All right. So the second one smells a little more structured. It does. There's definitely way more to this nose. A lot more oak. Little well, oak. well, the other one doesn't have any oak. It's so. definitely more concentrated. <laughs> I, I would dare say that this needs to open up just a hair on the nose because it feels, it smells tight. Um, the fruit is more concentrated without like the like the the vibrancy of it. I, I love using wine terms now, like this vibrancy and effervescence. And God, I'm gonna sound so just, douchey. Later. I was about it's to say, don't get don't get too douchey. Don't start no. talking about green coffee beans on me, brother. Dude, if I ever, after eating a green coffee bean, I was so disappointed by it. Yeah, I will. I might have to just yell at anybody that tells me it's it, like it green coffee It smells like bean. somebody put a cherry pie into the oven, and it you just barely got that hint. Like you, th- like the other day when you made brownies, it's like I swear to God, somebody's making something here, but I, could, I wasn't one hundred percent sure because I was just getting this waft a little bit. Like it's starting to get a little fruity. That that, that just starting to get that, baked. That just where your brain all of a sudden starts to notice there's a different smell in the room. Yes. You're like, I know something's in the oven baking, and I know grandma made it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's almost like a really, like, a cool, like, potpourri of, uh, of, like, red fruit. 
All right, so now I actually got to drink this now. What's funny is I've had the wine A I've had before. I had it a couple vintages ago. I don't know if I... Oh, I like that. I don't know 100% if I've ever had B. I've had this producer a lot. and Man, that makes my mouth run a it, lot. So that you, is an acidic wine in a good way. Like That's actually really, really tasty. All right, so you ready for the magical thing, which I kind of didn't tell you. I kind of hinted at it. I think out the door it was 21 bucks for these combined. Wow. That's pretty good. Man, if you could show up to a party for 20 bucks or two bottles. 20 bucks, two bottles. Both real easy and drinkable. And, and I tried to go two different styles. I tried to go... A little fruity and a little more structure. So the second one, I know now you're, I, I can see fireworks coming out your ears and your mind. You're like you're like, fuck! What did he bring me? <laughs> it's light. There's a there's more tannin on this one almost than the cab. It's more grainy, so it's lighter, but it's still there. It's got a lot of grip to it. And I and it's weird. It's like actually physically holding my mouth shut. Like I keep tasting it. Like I'm doing that thing. I did give it a yeah, shake. Uh, I did give it a shake to kind of give it a little decanting because oh, it was so kind of salty tight. finger on that. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was my thumb. Yeah, no, this is um, this is really nice. All right, you ready to find out what they are? Hold on, I want to take a, I want to take a stab at it. Uh, a or B or both? Ooh, both. All right, so hold on, let me go back to three uh, A screw tap. So of course, when we see screw tops and we're tasting, instantly your brain sometimes thinks of one or two countries. I was gonna say New Zealand or Australia, or, or American and expensive. Or okay, it's not that I think of one or two countries; it's that I eliminate one or two countries often. Oh, I immediately eliminate Europe immediately. Yes, unless you're talking about something like maybe Portugal or maybe parts of Spain. Mm. Um, a lot of Italy does not do screw tops. Some regions but have. Portugal's gonna be a ton of blends now coming to America. If it's got True. a screw top on it. And these are both single varietals. Um, God, I should know what this one is. South America does some, but South America is still really heavily into cork. cork. Yeah. Of course, Australia, very much screw tops. They were the first country to embrace Stelvin closure. All right. I think I'm going to go with screw top is a Zinfandel. From? Uh, well, it's not Lodi. It's too light to be Lodi. So hold on. I got to say either Paso Robles or like a North Coast. They'd say like North Coast on it or something. It's a shiner. No label. Oh, there it is. Oh, my God. I was wrong. Did you have them backwards? I did. Wow. I'm actually confused what they are now. That's actually amazing to me. Wow. Yeah. You my mind's blown away. Yeah, because I don't think. Because I thought Screwtop was actually the other one. There's a, all right, so the, all right, so, so the, the 3B so, is opening up, and there's a pepperiness on there, so I'm going to come back to that one. All right, so the lighter one. The lighter one, I think, is the Zinfandel top. from North Coast. Was Charles and Charles, the Velvet Devil, the Merlot. Washington State Merlot. So Charles Smith Wines. Sorry, this wasn't Charles and Charles. This is Charles Smith Wines. Uh, Charles Smith, crazy dude. I've big seen this. I've seen this big hair. everywhere. Yeah, with he a pitchfork. Kung Fu Girl Riesling. Yep. He also makes Charles and Charles, but this is a black and white label that has a pitchfork on the front of it. It's really you drop it at a party, people are like, "Oh, it's called the Velvet Devil." Like it just has that fun yeah. kind of name to it. It smells because it's amazing. It doesn't smell like a Merlot at all. It doesn't. And what's actually, I'm actually really surprised that this. I I feel like I poured them wrong in my glass, but I didn't. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, it's, so it's good, dude. It's the it's the perfect wine. The only, and and honestly, with like the little pitchfork and the big black letters, dude, it immediately pulls your eyes right to the bottle. And the next one, 
All right, hold on. Yeah, you're, that, that, the Velvet Devil Tony, to me, something. it's a little sweet. I was actually really surprised that this Merlot, I, that's crazy. I, I brown bagged them, I poured them, and I would have blind tasted them wrong. <laughs> There's a pepperiness to this. Like I, I, I don't think I can say it's a Syrah just yet, but I'm leaning more towards a Syrah or, hold on. I know you're going to recognize the label, too, as soon as it, I, I strip it down. So this is a wine that I was introduced to through a tasting I went to a number of years it's ago. so fruity, though. With a friend of mine, and he loved it so much, he used it to pour at multiple high-end events that he had run for home builders. I only, the only other thing I would say, and this will mess, I was going to say Grenache, damn it, <laughs> the Anavera. It's the Anovera. I was just going to say, too, is like, could this be a Grenache? And you've had this before, I assume. I know you've we seen it at the sell it. it. That's why I said it tasted familiar. Yes. Yeah. But the package is fantastic. Oh, dude, it's perfect. It's, a, sh- it's a beautiful label. It, it's, it's a beautiful label of this beautiful girl that's like black and white, and then her uh, eyeshadow kind of turns into this, this colorful, like, I don't know, very artistic. Yeah, and we'll all get a and, picture of it and make sure I put it up for y'all to see. So that's so, funny, man. That was perfect timing because I was like, I think this might be a Grenache, but this pepperiness is throwing me off. It's a 2017 Grenache from Spain, but the label is super modern, super fun, but it's quality juice too. It's not just, I mean, every vintage of this I've had has been very, very drinkable. In fact, this is the one as soon as you taste it, you go, ooh, I like that. Yeah. Um, I want to say well, that we used to sell this. We sell cases of this at wine warehouse. I, People love this, I, box, especially the price point's amazing. I think the Anovero was is like eleven, and I think the Velvet Devil was like ten a bottle. Yeah, I remember the Anovero. I think we were selling it at like thirteen, fourteen bucks. Yeah, I, I, I want to say I was out the door for about twenty two, twenty three dollars for the two bottles. Nice. So I, I basically went based on something that I knew that was easy drinking for public. And cool packaging, because I really wanted to... I was thinking about packaging, because you're going to drop it on a table. Yeah. Well, the 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 Anavera Grenache, for sure, is going to... Immediately, people are going to see that bottle. And this is what I'm talking about, because this is exactly what I was saying earlier. If I grab this bottle, and I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, Anavera Grenache, people are going to go, I have no idea what Grenache is, but they're going to look at the label and go, wow, that's such a pretty label. There's actually a texture to it, and they're just going to look at it and be like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But I'll try it because it looks cool. And then the second they taste it, they're going to go, wow, that's really, really good. And that's the other thing. It's a it's a quality label that's not just fun. You know, sometimes you get things that are a little gimmicky and then they end up a little glossy. And then before you know, it starts being cartoony and it looks cheap. There well, it is. All right. So on the back of the label, it does say white pepper. I was like, I knew it tasted pepper. <laughs> so, so whereas this label being very modern, it still looks very classy. Yeah. Like, it does not look like a wine from the Tennessee. No offense to Tennessee wines, but... Is there Tennessee wines? Oh, actually, I I got a bottle in that collection called Sweet Pea from Carolina. We're going to drink it. We're going to hate every bit about it, but we're going to try it. (laughs) But, you know, I think of the way a lot of the original Arizona wines were, or if you go to parts of, like, New Mexico, their wines, the labeling is very, very high gloss and very colorful, but sometimes it looks kind of cheap. Looks cheap. And that, whereas this is, it's a gloss label. You know how much I hate gloss labels. Yeah. But it's black and white and a little bit of texture to it. And a little bit of color makes it pop. Yeah. No, it's, it's a absolutely perfect wine to bring to a party, something like this. Cause it's also, this is one of those ones too, where if somebody gambled on it, they would, they would have hit well. Yeah. If you saw this on a table at someone's house, I would instantly grab it and be like, Ooh, I want to try that. Yeah. Without having any idea where it was from. That's the one thing that about labels is, you know, a lot of people will spend money into different parts of the wine. Some people, um, 
mostly in like a Napa or like even outside the country, obviously, will spend a lot of money on the vineyard so they can see the vineyard name and that's the grapes in the bottle and they rely on that vineyard to be in the bottle. Like for instance, like San Giacomo makes really good Pinot Noir from Russian River Valley. So some producers will rely on that. Other people may not rely so much on the vineyard and rely more on the label. So they'll make an amazing label where some people trying to sell a real expensive wine will make a crazy heavy bottle with a big punt. The bottle physically feels like it's three, four pounds in your hand. So you automatically go, wow, this bottle weighs so much. Therefore it must be so much. It's funny. It's all this marketing ploy to make you believe that that wine's expensive in the bottle and sometimes all it takes is the littlest little thing and have really good juice in there it, it one little nuance i mean it's the difference between a home run and a strikeout when it comes to some of these labels because i've had wines that are fantastic that are in shitty labels and they're impossible to sell sometimes because of it yeah I, we had one one day it looked like the cheapest crappiest label i've ever seen in my entire it was literally peeling off and it was a delicious wine i, I can't remember what it was I, i'm gonna drop one that i know of that i think the wine is fantastic but i hate the label planet oregon oh yeah planet oregon looks like cheap printed out stuff it's another producer that makes some like very sought after wine is it soder or something like that I think? is it yeah it's you know you know who or is it a to z or no it's not them but there's whoever makes planet oregon i'm not gonna look it up now but yeah. whoever makes that wine makes some fantastic wines and the juice that goes in that wine is awesome yeah that, I, that, that label looks terrible that is a five dollar label like a, that label looks like it should be on a four dollar bottle of wine yeah yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple where I had one from the Santa Cruz Mountains. It's one of the best Cabernets I ever had, and I'm pretty sure the guy was just hand-printing them in the back and hand-labeling them and slapping them on and just like, okay. I'm, I'm 100% guilty of having a bad label. I'm trying to get our winery to change. My label itself, when I made uh, my Phoenix brand, dude, I had a girl, I had her hand-draw that entire thing because I was like, okay, I'm going to put good juice in this, but I want the first thing for people to see, because especially with wine, is they the second they turn and look at that shelf, they go, wow, look at that label. So the first thing they do is grab it, take a look at it, appreciate the label, then they're going to flip it over and see like, you know, like a good story on the back of your bottle, because if I'm not there to tell the people about my wines... You know, you got to have something on the back that says what you're doing. Because just saying, oh, you're going to taste blackberries, plums, and cassis, and white pepper, people will be like, okay, well, 77 other bottles say the same thing. So the only way I'll know this is, A, if I've had it, B, if the person who physically makes that's in front of me trying to sell it, or this label's going to do it for me. All that's you gotta, it. All you got to do is put my favorite five-letter word on the back. Smooth, baby. <laughs> it's smooth, baby. I'm, dude, we got to make a... I'm going to make a... I'm, you know what? I'm going tomorrow, and I'm going to ask the owner to see if we can make smooth as a wine. Five letters, smooth. Five-letter wine, produced and bottled by smooth. Oh, my God. Yeah, now, well, we could have a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, you never know what I'm going to say on these shows. I will say that my favorite wine so far is the Grenache. I'm going to say Grenache. I know it's Grenache. I'm just going to say Grenache. Same grape. Yeah. Out of out of all these? Yeah. The Rodney Strong is definitely... I think the Velvet Devil Merlot is what you said. People would go through that real quick. Like, at the party, that would be the first bottles gone because of how easy it is to drink. The Rodney Strong, come back to it and be like, that's the one people might sit around and talk about. But the Own of Era, people would be like, wow, did you try that funky wine? It'd be like the hit of the night. I was really expecting the Velvet Devil to be more velvety. <laughs> just to be honest, like I mean, I think a Merlot of of having that 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 crushed velvet on my tongue, that feeling, that characteristic that I get like when I when I drink Merlot, and it's a little fruity to me. I mean, this is this is now the wine geek of me coming out, not the guy who's bringing the wine to the party who wants everybody yeah. to love it. You know, th that's my. 
my negative take on the Velvet Devil. And I'm going to, I'll agree. I think the Honor Vera is my favorite wine out of these four. If I was to pick one to drink, that's one I would actually have at my dinner table and I would actually share it and have no problems with that. So I find this interesting only because I'm looking at the Rodney Strong um, bottles right now. <clears throat> the back has the same story, almost, and it's relatively the same. But here's the thing. They completely changed the front labels when back in 2008, it wasn't a bad label. They just completely redid it. And I wonder why. Like, why spend the money on total redesign when you didn't have something bad to begin with? A lot of wineries do that. They kind of, you know, sexy things up a little bit. It looks like they, you know, with the change in the labels, they tried to uh, refine it a little bit. The gold foiling around the side definitely had a slight 80s look to it. They probably had that old label for a number of years. And they were like, all right, let's bring this label to 2015 instead of... Yeah, I see what you mean. Because though it's a 2006, that label is probably designed in 1984. You know, like I said, it's that gold foiling around the outside that just makes it look like a, you know, a steakhouse from the 80s, you know? So this is interesting. I'm looking at the back now, and they actually have a totally different story. Ronnie Strong was talking about how this is from their 2008. Their lingering spicy oak flavors, it's grown in the rugged rocky hills and valleys of the warmest regions in Sonoma County with rich and distinct cab soft thrives. But then as it keeps going, it says, we're deeply committed to being green. We are the first carbon-neutral winery in Sonoma County. We practice sustainable and fish-friendly farming and use solar power to produce our wine. And then as it got to 2016, they totally changed course and go, we focus on making modern artisan wines exclusively from here, da-da-da-da-da. And then our Sonoma County cab comes from a completely sustainable winery. And then they do what I was saying, you know, I don't really care about is they start listing all the flavors. So it's weird that back in 2008 when they were labeling it, which they were released in 2010, they were talking about how sustainable they're going to be and everything, and now they just barely have like a little blip about it, either because they did it so well they don't need to talk about it, or maybe it's just trending out that they don't care. That that was Not that they don't care in a way that they don't care. They either nailed it and don't need to tell anybody anymore, or... Or that 10 years ago, that was their marketing behind it. Now all their neighbors are doing something similar, so they're trying to... So everybody's doing it, therefore you don't market as you're doing it anymore. And and, and to them, it's probably more important to a consumer. Like they, I'm assuming Rodney Strong at this point has a board that is running them. It's not yes. just a guy. <laughs> I imagine and, it was the same in 08 as well. And I'm sure that there is a focus group that goes around and makes people check little boxes to why you buy. What's your most important decision buying it's wine? It's biodynamic and organic and sustainable. And, and, and now it's... Art- and vegan and artisanal and that's, crafty. That's the new one. I think I named nailed all of them. Artisanal is the new one. Did it? Did I nail it? All well, right. well, that was the new one was the artisanal one where the old one was more about sustainability. Craft. Yeah, craft. I'm going to make a wine where the only thing on the back is just going to have boxes checked off craft, artisanal, sustainable, biodynamic, organic, solar, green, (laughs) (laughs) non-gendered. Non-gendered wine. Yeah, I mean, just like... A wine can't be feminine if it's masculine, Damien. I mean, I hate to say it, but the people that want, like, vegan wines, it's bullshit. I think that's just... That, to me, is... I understand if you're using egg whites... But still, at the end of the day, come on. Like, vegan wine, it's wine. Just like gluten-free vodka, there's really no such thing because it's a distilled product. It's It's literally broken down to the absolute basics of nothing. Vapors that go into the air that that condense and that become alcohol. And then you add water to dilute it. Yeah. There is no gluten in that. Yeah. Once it's a distilled product, it's, there's no wheat left in that product. Uh, so the I've only- talked to distillers about this. 
Like, oh, I, I have to I have to drink Chopin because it's gluten free. Uh, no. <laughs> like that's it's just sorry. It's just one of those little things that bugs me when it comes to vegan wine. It's like people really the like, all, yeah, and some people will obviously use. You know, and you know what? I actually, I don't even want to talk about because I actually want to bring it up in a totally separate one. But there are products that I could see where people would be like, all right, whatever. With the one, the only one, the real one that bothers me the most is that biodynamic. I think is is like the main one, the whole sustainable thing. Because the reality is, is grapes broken down. You know, unless you're buying real inexpensive wine, I've only been to maybe one vineyard where they went crazy crazy biodynamic everything they brought in spiders to eat bugs they put these yellow strips on the vines to catch bugs so they don't eat the plant and they was made from like a plant in south america that the bugs are attracted to to kill it they brought in hawks and they did and the bottle is 500 dollars because that's the only way they could be biodynamic was to make something so insanely expensive to make it that way that anybody who says it on their bottle and you get in a $10 bottle, no, you're not. And in America, there's not rules to this thing. You could just say it. And while I would love to have everything be organic in a process and whatever, you know what? Sometimes you got to use some things to break it down. Like I filter through DE. My diatomaceous earth is how I filter my wines. Does that count as vegan? Because I used to be animals. Now it's just dead shells. So can these vegans not swim in my pool? Because you use DE Cause filter? Because there's diatomaceous earth in the filter. What if there was fish originally swimming in that water a few billion years ago and now it's in your pool? So now you're using dead fish bones to clean the water that you're about to swim in. There does, was does eventually that, an animal that died or what, swam what, through the water you're drinking. What, what if that water goes up your nose? Uh-oh. 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 There's... <laughs> What if what if you're breathing air and a cow farted a block away? I mean, I mean, now you're drinking. Now you're the, now this, you're. This yeah. whole vegan thing when it comes to wines, just I get I get it if that's your cuisine and that's the way you want to yeah. eat. And I understand that your feelings for animals or certain wanting to consume plant based things. But going and trying to do stuff with wine, wine is a natural product. It's a grape on a vine. And if you get very inexpensive stuff, yes, they will spray it with some chemicals and stuff to kill the stuff because they got to make 10 billion boxes of it. But you bought to spend, if you want to spend money on being vegan or more organic, you're going to spend I can your understand money. organic. I totally, because yeah. that's chemicals. That's real, yeah. That's, that's, that's Those things. guys are out in the vineyard constantly, clean, but you're spending 40, 50 bucks a bottle at but that point. vegan. Yeah, no vegan. This is not. This is wine. It's a vegan product. Yeah, yeah. That one. That one's always crazy. And 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 I have people who've come in and ask. And I, in all honesty, I'll sit there and say, maybe. Like, do do you want to know all of it? Because by the way, I've noticed you're eating those grapes and those strawberries on my cheese plate that I put there, and they won't eat the cheese, but they'll eat those. And I'm like, you know what? There was probably some animals laying in that field when something went by and chopped all that wheat and vines and everything right up. So. I don't know how vegan that is. I've seen those. I've seen a field of wheat get chopped up, and I know how many animals get left behind while they're moving through those things. Yeah. Sorry, not to get on a vegan topic. But I know. It's just I, one of those little things that bugs me. Like, there's there's a few things. Like, sometimes it's the sulfite stuff that I just it just drives but me the crazy. The sulfites is ignorance. It's not stupidity. It's, it's actual ignorance because people were never told that that doesn't really do anything. Well, it's just people believing something that somebody else told them, or they they read a meme online and now they think that's reality without ever looking up a single yeah. study on it. Vegan's and, a lifestyle. And, and, and part of the the sulfite thing is people not understanding the fact that. 
They can't drink two bottles of wine, drink no water, eat four Xanax, and wake up the next day feeling great. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, like you're gonna be hungover. Like, oh, I don't know. I drink red wine and it gives me a my, headache. My it's favorite like, one is just to go. Uh, I can't have sulfites and uh, I get crazy headache, and therefore I can only drink white wine. And I'm just like, okay. I'm sorry to burst this bubble, but there's more sulfites in white wine than there is red wine. Get the ones I I can't. I only drink European wines because they don't have the sulfites. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't have sulfites uh, because I'm allergic. Meanwhile, they're eating the cheese plate. They're eating the fruit that's been the apricots that are like a year old and still look like like they got picked yesterday. How many sulfites in that glass of orange juice you had this morning? Like no joke with your with your apricot preserve on top of it. Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a festival this weekend, and a guy came up to me and goes, so is your wine sulfite-free? He said, no, if I didn't have sulfites, I'd have vinegar to be pouring for you with some crackers or something. He goes, well, I only drink sulfite-free wine. And I said, well, who do you drink? And he named off some people I never heard of, and maybe, maybe those guys are somehow sulfite-free. I don't know how. I'm not saying that there's not people out there that do it. I'm sure there's somebody trying. I imagine Beaujolais Nouveau is probably sulfite-free because you got to drink it 10 days after it comes out of a tank. But I'm like, listen, it's a natural process also in the wine. They kind of naturally form too. And he goes, well, that's not really a thing. It has to be added. That's why the Europeans have the best wine ever. And I just, you know what? I was like, well, they do have the same. And he goes, no, they don't. And he had this look on his face. He was waiting for an argument. I went, okay. Well, then go try those guys' wines. They might be better for you. I have to use mine. Like I, I try to minimize it. I don't want people to get the burnt I'm not trying smell. To, I'm not trying to argue with people about yeah. this. It does get frustrating that it's constantly still happens and it almost seems like it gets worse and worse and worse well the more we know the stupider people get it's why we have like anti-vaxxers and people think the earth is flat (laughs) well damien thinks the earth is flat (laughs) he doesn't but you can read you can convince people that it is you can read my damien's the best troll on the planet you could read my blog about that as soon as I write you it, you should you should get a globe for, <laughs> for the for the studio that's actually just a flat Earth. <laughs> Be like, why do you have this? Because that's the way it's supposed to look. Uh, you know how much easier it is to get around when the Earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> it just jump in the air and let it spin <laughs> spin around, and you'll land somewhere else. <laughs> God, I always. I- yeah, I, I, I just it's it's frustrating things with wines because I don't imagine. I, what do you think the beer thing is? Like when brewers who are like, oh my God, I got to deal with this crap every day with beer. Because in wine, it's sulfites, headaches, organic. Like there's a lot of battles in wine that are really stupid sometimes. Beer went down that a little bit when it started getting into a lot of the low calorie stuff. People that, you know, all of a sudden when you started getting uh, the Mick Ultras and everything was like, how many calories are in your beer? How many calories are in this? And so people that worked for breweries started actually having that question come up. I don't, I mean, maybe mm. some organics and maybe some other stuff. I don't know if they get the the people that want to deal with vegan beer. Is there such a thing as vegan beer? Is that? There's got to be. I mean, I, well. But do, do we count yeast as a living envir- a living thing? Ooh, that's actually a good question. Because by the way, that immediately nullifies all alcohol, period. Actually, good question. Do we Ye- count yeast as a living it, it's organism? A, it, it, it is. Yeah. It, it consumes, it, it lives, it breathes. It's it, literally pooping. Alcohol and CO2. <laughs> yeah. And heat. And heat. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it eats sugar and it gives off alcohol. And yeah. it, it is a living organism, yeah. but if we're not counting that, then okay, Cause, well, cause that's because it's, it's too small. Yeah. Is it because it's. Or, and I imagine for beer, it's got to be so hard to be a large brewer to, have, to know if it's truly organic because you're buying your malt and your barley and your grains from multiple places and whether it really is or isn't i imagine is very difficult i know there, there's there are so many 
uh, hipster brewers that I'm sure like, oh, I get my yeasts from this. A lot of people culture their own too now. You're, I'm sure these there's hot farms out there run by these crazy hipsters with crazy mustaches and crazy beards that are like, I only water with water from the Alps on that comes from ice that was melted. We have a on, well that we hand dug ourselves so we didn't disturb anything to get yeah. to. Yeah. And I, I do imagine there are beers out there that are crazy. Made like out that, of a but. shovel that came from a tree that I built myself and a rock that I made the shovel head. I mean, some of these yeah. people... But think about how many how much hops goes, especially in America, where IPAs are crazy right now. How much hops... And where you can grow at Washington, Oregon, Cali, you know, Minnesota, like the north, the northwest, Appalachia. So you can't grow hops everywhere. You'd have to have huge farms for these things. So I don't imagine organic is hard, but I don't imagine it's easy either. So... Yeah, I just I would like to I guess one day we'll we'll have a brewer on and we'll have some fun beers and we'll ask, hey man, like what's the what's the dumb stuff you have to deal with, I guess. Yeah, I want to get the Red House people on here. Um yeah, they do fun. they do funky beers. They do a lot of stuff that's outside the box. And actually I had a long conversation with somebody this weekend about Red House and how he felt they're the number one brewery in the state right now. And he was very confident. I talking imagine about it. every brewer thinks. No, this the wasn't best. a brewer. This was an ordinary this was somebody in the business. Oh. The Oscar. Really? Yeah. Because him, he you was tr- going on about Tombstone Brewery the other day, like it was the greatest thing. His his water jug had a I saw the had, a, had the Ren House yeah, on yeah. there, and so I said, he goes, he goes, it's the best brewery in the state. I'm like, I walked there. He's like, really? He goes, man, I'd be there every day if I lived next to that place. Because I guess they're just doing stuff that a little outside the norm. Once again, everybody's doing a, a double hop IPA. Everybody's doing a dry hop. This everybody's doing. So it's the person who distinguishes themselves as being a little different. Four Peaks and their water program was different than what everybody else did. Yeah. They they did something that was unique. That that's gotta be really difficult for beer. Maybe that's what it is. Because wine is easy. I have a Cabernet. Cool. I have a Pinot. Cool. Chardonnay. Cool. You don't really have to go into crazy detail when you can sell it. Beer is okay. Well, I have an IPA. Cool. So does 77 other breweries within a mile radius. How to age it. Yeah. Did was it in a barrel? Did you have a yeast chain? You discovered on the backside of the Alps in a totally separate country. You had a Sherpa guy take you to find your wheat that was growing organically on the side of it. Do you use heirloom wheat? Do you use regular wheat? Like that, you know what? I well, bet that might be what it is, is because now they've, I think you nailed earlier when you're like, there's the basics of beer. We can get through it in a day. Now it's okay. How crafty and how weird can beer be? Yeah. I mean, the average person, but knows that they can go into a shop and say, I like IPAs. They can pick five different ones they're gonna like them i like kolsch's yeah. i like light beers right oh, yeah, now or too. i like i like sours i like, i know there's a lot of different yeah, types I, of them i never got into sour or the gosays the gosas or gosays or however you Gazi, want to pronounce it gozi goja yeah. yeah i don't know goes of the gozarian um <laughs> are you a god <laughs> the traveler has come ray if anybody asks you for a goja you say <laughs> yes <laughs> maybe there's another Once t-shirt again, we, once again, we, oh, we invented some. An, an, another work in reference. We podcast is complete. We worked in a, I, a movie reference. I hope when we die and like our what I hope is 80s, 90s or area, they're like, man, these guys did a lot. They created an industry of weird shit of t shirts and businesses and whatever. <laughs> well, it's like the, the inventors. I took a course in school, it was a science fiction fantasy based course, but it was integrating and showing how these fantasy science fiction writers from the past, a lot of their stuff was invented as modern day items. And it went back to Isaac Asimov and some of his stuff oh, yeah. with like that foundation series. Some of the stuff he created in his books became reality. And 
things like the 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 iPhone. You know, you talk about like Star the, Trek, Star Trek, the uh, tricorder, the flip phone. Yes, was the flip phone. Yep, and. Things like having your house rotate based on the sunsets or having solar panels or certain things power your phones and be able to... Like, these were invented by science fiction. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy what people think of 40 years ago and they go, oh, that'd be so cool for the future. And then one kid's sitting there and go, I'm going to make that happen. That Tom Cruise movie where he was the cop. Uh, Minority Report. Correct. Though that's happening now, like that that screen where he goes in front of and he's like he's, moving, yeah, touching, moving stu- stuff. That that it's like a floating TV screen where he's moving stuff around with his hands. You watch the political elections; they're in front of this screen, moving stuff around magically in air using you know. You know what's really funny to me is I see that, and I'll listen to conspiracy theorists be like, "Man, the U.S. government has stuff like that." I've been in a control room like in passing through a U.S. military thing, and it looks like it's straight out of the '90s. They still have old like computers, and they're moving stuff around. They do not have, like, uh, I think it was Transformers, and they were, like, moving stuff around the world and repositioning satellites so they could get better images and quick teams here and sliding screen from one end of the building to the other. And I'm like, nope. Working off Apple Apple two C's still. Yeah, like the green screen with the CD ROM <laughs> and the hard mechanical keyboard. Click 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 click. Pull a floppy disk out. Here you go. When you hit print, it prints out on a sheet of paper. and it's attached to the next sheet of paper. Oh yeah. You had to peel the sides off. And it's it's two colors. It's white and green bars. Oh my god. I mean, the TV screens are the. But meanwhile, CNN and Fox have the newest technology ever. Right. Honestly, or, the American citizens have better technology than the U.S. government does until you get focused on like really awesome weapons. Then they hands down have the coolest crap. <laughs> but they buy that from independent companies. Yeah, it's true. They buy from American I mean, companies. Yep. And just look at, you know, I mean, well, you got like stuff like Boeing and these companies that create these weapons and these these planes and stuff like that. And they just sell them to the government. Okay, I'm excited to try eventually where. And I saw it, and this was a few years ago, but it's true, is there was an airplane, and they were like, bars went away on airplanes. They're like, well, they're going to come back one day, and they will. One day, we'll be on airplanes where you could stand up, walk around, have a bar, hang out, and do everything like back in the 60s and what was it, 60s, 50s, when they had pianos and bars and lounges, and now it's just a shitty bus that flies through the air, and eventually, it'll swing back to some really cool thing. Like You're like, oh, yeah, I've got my wine on a bar on an airplane. There will be some luxury like ones. The, the weird one is when they're going to make planes have like a... Instead of like a wall, instead of windows, you're going to be able to see through the whole thing. Yeah, because it'll just be like a giant LED tube. Oh, that'd be so creepy. Imagine flying and they just they turn the whole thing out so it looks like there's no ground. It just looks like 500, you're the 500 air. miles an hour and it looks like you're sitting in a chair. Oh, dude, that'd be so <laughs> weird. Have you ever seen the video of those people walking around? I think it's I think it's China. I'm not sure. And they're on the side of a cliff and it's they're walking across this floor and all of a sudden the floor starts to crack. Yes. Because it looks like they can see down and people freak out and panic and run away, but it's just a screen. <laughs> dude, that'd be crazy. You know what, by the way? That's going to be a real thing. You know it will be. I mean, they're doing. They have the thing for the Grand Canyon where you can walk out, and yeah. like the the skywalk. I think Ooh, they call that it, gives it or whatever it is. Vertigo. I can't do it. I can't. I have trouble in big buildings looking out the window. Yeah. If you put me in New York City, put me on like the the fifty fifth floor of a building. I can't get near the window. I have massive anxiety in big buildings. Dude, I was at the Vatican and we got up to the top of that Saint uh, Saint Peter's Basilica, and not the top top, but like the rim of the interior dome and there's all it is is chicken wire around the whole thing and i it was the first time i've ever felt this 100 percent froze my brain was saying move forward move forward and my body was like no like i can't i was stuck for like a good five seconds i was panicking i was like holy crap i've never had that feeling before 
Like it's so weird. You could tell me to stand on the line in the ground right here, and I will never waver forward or backwards. But if in front of that line there was a drop-off cliff, ten yeah, thousand feet down, I would have a lot of anxiety standing on that line. Yeah, like even though they're all, I know, just don't step forward. It's just crazy. But I have that anxiety. Like I'm not scared of heights per se. Like I've been cliff jumping. I've jumped off of bridges. I've been skydiving. I've been skydiving. Jumping, I've yeah. done some crazy shit. But but the, you know what it is is there's like the, at least you know there's like uh you know quote quote like quotes a uh, a safety mechanism there. <laughs> Like you see those like old... roller coasters are fun as shit. Yes, I'm. Th- th- but that's a dumb concept. Hey, we're gonna put you on a rickety ass cart made of metal and launch you as fast as we can and spin you around and throw you through corners real fast at 200 feet. <laughs> I always like those videos too of the people where they like they fake like there's something wrong. Like uh, it'll be one of those uh, carnival rides oh. where it shoots you straight in the air and the guy <laughs> throws a bolt on the ground right before it takes off goes, oh shit, a bolt fell off and all of a sudden it shoots the dude up <laughs> and the dude's just screaming, pissing himself. Oh my God, dude, that was fantastic. <laughs> oh, that'd make that, me so scared. That shit don't happen in California. Like that's something that you can only get away yeah. with in like towns in the Midwest. Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> like if that shit happened in California, there'd be like lawsuits. lawsuits for days. Totally. I don't think you could probably open a theme park now. I kind of miss those days, though. Like, the non-politically correct, like, fuck with people and get away with it days. Like, just... Yeah. I miss that. Well, we get it all on YouTube now, so either way it works. And we can always go visit the Midwest. You know what, though? There's... Oh, it's not these bottles. Well, maybe. I bet uh, this Velvet Devil one day would be inappropriate. Or depending on the time, dude. If you made that 30, 40 years ago, they'd be like, Velvet Devil? That's the devil's juice. You can't make that label. And now you can. So the Anovera has gotten super peppery to me. Okay, you too? Because I, I poured this oh, and that's all I smell Really peppery. Yeah. But it's cool. What's funny is it's peppery to us, but if you go to someone else, it's smooth. It's fruity and smooth to it's them. Smooth. But yeah, I mean, even the Rodney Strong. So I, I, one of the first restaurants I ever worked at, we served Rodney Strong Merlot in our restaurant. And it was super popular. And I knew I could always recommend it to everybody. I mean, if I ran a restaurant today, would I serve it? Not a chance. No. Just because it's so mass produced, I'd rather support somebody smaller. However, I understand why people would serve this in their restaurants. Because it's it's a crowd pleaser. Nobody, unless you're in the top 5% of wine drinkers, would have a problem drinking this if you're a red wine drinker. Well, here's the other thing, too. What are we at now? Like an hour talking about this? And... How, what do you think the odds of if these were at a party, this would have made it past fifteen minutes? Uh, depends on how many wines are there. Plus, a lot of the parties we go to, I mean, I brought wines to so many parties where you get if there's thirty people, you have fifteen drinking beer, you have five drinking whiskey, you have five not drinking, and forget my math. I think you have five drinking wine. <laughs> um, so. Often, you know, I bring wines and I sometimes I walk back up there and they're all gone. Sometimes there's plenty left. I've had people drink my corked wines at parties. I've seen that too. Uh, it's so funny to me. Because, and not in a bad way, just, you know what? Maybe there's that one guy who really likes the taste of corked wine. Well, I remember it was about five years ago, six years ago, we did Thanksgiving dinner and I had a bottle that was one of the most corked bottles I've ever had in my entire life. Like it was like, I pulled the cork out and it was like, holy shit, I'm, be- I'm in a petting zoo in Tennessee. <laughs> and, and it was bad. It was so freaking corked. And so I stuck it like kind of around the corner and then we kept drinking wine, kept drinking wine, kept opening bottles. And the night ended, it was Thanksgiving night and my, the guy who we were throwing the, doing it at his house, his roommate came home, a little drunk, whatever. And he's like, hey guys, can I grab, grab a glass of wine? I'm like, oh man, the wine's pretty much all gone. And he grabs the corked bottle. He goes, what about this? It's full. I go, well, it's corked. He's like, what does that mean? 
I'm like, oh, it means it just doesn't taste as good. He goes, well, will it hurt me? I'm like, no, it'll be fine. He goes, can I drink it? Said the alcoholic, probably. Seriously, this guy poured a giant glass, probably poured like a 12-ounce glass for himself, Dang. took a giant swig, looked at me and goes, mmm, smooth. <laughs> 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 and kept drinking it. I was like, from that, right. from that day forward, I never brought good wines so to Thanksgiving dinner. You remember that time I very first <laughs> met you with, uh, when you poured yeah. the Brunello with my dad? Uh, one of the wines you poured was corked. My dad and I were drinking it. I thought something was wrong, and he loved it. And you came back over, and you were like, no, that was corked. And you popped another one and had poured that. It was one of, uh, I think it was the Rosso you may have poured. Either way, that was the first time my dad ever went, wait, I don't know what corked means. But he he just tasted it as if he assumed it was just a weird, funky wine. And he was like, ah, oh, I just don't like it. It's, But if it was a party, and it was the only wine there, he would have drank that. And And... Honestly, as long as it tastes good, like it's corked to us because we know what that is. We know it's a flaw. It's You know what it is? We know it's a flaw, but it's a flavor. Now, if you happen to really like that flavor, hey, you know what? Some people like to work at petting zoos in Tennessee and they love their yeah, job. True. So, you know what? Maybe, just maybe there's some people out there who tasted a cork wine and went, holy crap, I and, love that taste. And at the end of the day, we know that the wine isn't right and that's why we call it corked. If somebody likes it, who cares? You know, I mean, it doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't matter. By the way, also, now your bottle is now this person's bottle. <laughs> That's what worked out nicely. I uh, I really do like this one of it. I it really do. The, the Merlot is starting to smell mer, more, mer, more Merlot-like. And I think it's because it's been sitting here for that time. That's why I was saying earlier, like, you know, how long you think this will last. Now that it's sitting here and kind of opening up a little bit, I'm like, okay, well, maybe... And where I was actually confused was because I was assuming that the $10 Spanish wine was going to have the screw top. Yeah, right? Not, I mean, of course, Washington does use a lot of screw tops, but what just are... thinking that a $10... I haven't seen a Spanish screw top. Just tons. I'm sure there is. I, mean, I just haven't seen one. We'll have my friend Ignacio on the show when he comes back to Phoenix again, and he has vineyards all over Spain and... A good portion of his wines are screw top. Okay. Because, I mean... It's eight, easy. At $8 a bottle, you know it's fresh. You know it's not going to be corked. You have no spoilage, no yeah. issues. No, oh, yeah, I can see that one. So when, when it basically comes down to taking wine to a party, you know, unless you're going to a wine-focused party with all wine people, people... Because most of the times when you're going to a Christmas party, it's such a mixture of people and... Yeah. You never know what you're going to hit. And it's kind of funny that I find this, that people label me as the wine guy so sometimes they're almost intimidated to try my wines they're like oh, oh. he he drinks this stuff this chateau blah 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 and he they, drinks that they're so too intimidated they're like, almost oh, in i don't want him to be offended if i don't like it and so when i show up to a party and they bring stuff like this i'm like no no no. i brought stuff that happened with uh at tg's place when you and i went to the thursday dinner that his oh, friend yeah, yeah, did yeah. And, right. and I brought you brought the prosecco. I, I brought a bunch of chava. cheap bubbles, and they're like, "Oh, it's the wine guys." They're expecting like I was like, "No, I brought stuff you guys can enjoy that yeah. you all are gonna like." Yeah, like listen, guys, I like you, but I'm not about to bust my cellar out. <laughs> and if I busted my cellar out, they wouldn't necessarily appreciate it. No, no way. And someone who drinks five bottles of wine a year, I don't think could appreciate the difference between a forty dollar bottle and a hundred dollar bottle. No, somebody that drinks, let alone fifteen and twenty five. Right. <laughs> so, somebody that drinks. 500 bottles a year and has a collection at home or a thousand bottles a year. I mean, a thousand bottles a year is 
Well, that's a lot. But <laughs> that's a problem, and his family needs to talk yeah, to him. But say, 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 you, say you go through about 500 bottles a year, and that's not... That's 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 with friends bringing Friends, bottles parties. And, yeah, we're not saying... I, I, I go to dinner at John's father's house. I bring... Oh, wow. We, I bring we four, open I, like five or six bottles yeah, bring, between four of us. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Atlas Bistro last week. Jesus. Five of us, we went through th- Woo! 13 bottles. I found out. Huh. 13 bottles for five of us. You know what's crazy, by the way? After we drank... Those 13 bottles, I remember all of them so well. I wish I would have gotten pictures. The meal was amazing. I can't believe we didn't get pictures. All the Le Pavot and all that. I mean, it was a fantastic night between the parts. Oh, it would be so fun if we had like listeners. We do like a listener night one day where we get like, what do they have? Like 18 people that can fit in there? 25, 30? Yeah. Max, max 30 people get in there. Do a podcast from uh, that from Atlas be, Bistro with a dinner. That'd be fun. And just put like three mics. Or, oh no, it'd be it'd be out of control by the end. Well, well, at that point, what you do is we do the dinner. We, we do the podcast out in the we, living room. We, we area. set it up, and people keep coming back and forth. And you and I set up, and then between the courses, everyone comes out and talks to us. Yeah, dude, it'd be so much fun. So you're constantly switching guests out. You're like, yeah, right, what do you think of this one? What do you yeah. think? Yeah, but we got to get all right. Thirty two people. We need like five of the same bottles, so everybody gets like a three ounce pour, basically. Yeah. Ooh, all right. Th- thir- that's, that's the thing. That's going on in the things we got to do one 13 day. 13 bottles for five people that night. Dude, we killed it. So that's what I'm saying. Five, 500 bottles is not necessarily God, out of so control. John, John's already been talking. like, hey, let's do another night like that. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Still recovering. Yeah. Oh, well, every time I go to Atlas, I assume I lose one month of my life. Yeah. I, I got to do a dinner there next week with my family. Or the week after. Like Christmas week-ish. You're going to take them there? Or you want to do like a dinner there? No, we'll do like a friends. We'll do dinner there, but no, because my family doesn't really drink. So you got to realize that going there, we're gonna have a wonderful dinner. But Mm -hmm. we're not gonna drink thirteen bottles of wine for five people. It's gonna be one bottle of wine for three people. Depends if you want to bring your friends. True. (laughs) Then it could get crazy. True. Yeah, we'll plan that out. But yeah. Anything else you want to say about affordable holiday wines or something like? No, uh, honestly, I I think we nailed it. Like when it comes down to everybody, when you walk into a store. And you want to bring some wines to a party, you know the basics, the cabs, the pinots, the shards, and you're not really going to go wrong at 20 bucks a bottle. I think everybody's going to be happy. But I think Damien nailed some here with like, he reached out to the Onivera Grenache and, you know, there's good wine out there for like parties. And uh, if you, if you're nervous about, oh, did I bring the white, the right wine and are people going to like it? Don't be like, people are going to drink it. And if you see somebody kind of staring at it, be like, yeah, I, I got it because the label looked cool. Now you have a story. You have a story. It's either the label or the wine. You have a story. You can both talk, oh, why'd you get this wine? Oh, because the label looks beautiful. Look at this girl. Look at the colors, blah, blah, blah. What do you think of the wine? And now you're just having a conversation with somebody. The wine's going to be better when you talk to somebody else about it because now you're having a fun conversation with somebody. And price point doesn't dictate quality. Price point does not dictate if you're going to like it or not. Yeah. I was going to say quality, maybe. Whether you like it or not, it's a different story. Well, well, quality to one person is different when it comes to wine. Like I said, it's it's just like art. We've talked about the whole fact of... Uh, yeah, like, the $9 million painting versus what the, some guy drew on a corner. You could pour my mom a $10,000 bottle of DRC, and she probably won't like it, and she would rather drink White Zin. Damien, maybe we're missing out on a expensive white Zin category. Oh, we're, $35 white Zins. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're going to drink that uh, 15-year-old white Zin with my mom. Oh, 
Jesus Christ. I can't I, believe I found that. Bottle. I can't wait. We're going to pair that up with some pineapple wine and some old Franzi that I have. <gasps> Dude, let's do an entire crap. We'll call it crap wine night. We won't name any labels, but we'll just drink all of it. I've got a Carolina wine. I've got a Georgia wine. Oh, I got a Georgian wine, too, I, which we'll try. I still think it'd be fun to do like three or four different white Zins. When my the, mom's the most here. popular ones? No, because she likes Behringer, but that's the one she knows. But there's actually quality White Zins out there. I remember at one point I represented a producer that I was taking out going, all right, I'm going to pour you a White Zin, but I want you to know that this is... Because a lot of these restaurants would still be like, well, I got one that we sell, but I don't put it on the list or I don't really talk about it. I showed up with one and everybody's like, wow, that's freaking good. Okay. So there are good ones out there. We just think of the sweet Behringer. Yeah. All right, well, let's do that. We'll, we'll do that one with your mom. Essentially, what is white Zin? It's rosé of Zivendel with sweet with residual with sugar. sugar. Yeah, it doesn't matter that it's a Zinfandel because rosé is made from any... So, 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 so it's a, if it's a rosé of Zivendel that's sweet, it's it falls in that category. Yeah. Oh, we'll do that. So I think we if we did like four or five really funky white Zins, like different ones, and see what uh, Mama likes, it'd be kind of fun <laughs> for... It'd be fun for her. Yama. Your ma? You yeah, gonna get a wiggaloo? My ma? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have fun with that. Yeah, no, so uh, in, in the end, my thing was... It's fun that I, I I had this in the random thing that I bought, the 08 Rodney Strong versus the 16 we had now. Clearly, it wasn't built to make it the age and time. But uh, I think we know that. I think these are good... You know, there's nothing wrong with bringing a $20 wine to a party. Nobody should ever be ashamed of the wines you bring to a party unless you're the guy who brings the box wine, pulls the bag out, pours of people, and you slap the bag. Don't be ashamed. You're just a party. You're just the man of that party. Honestly, though, I've had somebody do that, and I wanted to be friends with that person. Yeah, everybody wants to be friends with that guy. You're going to go home in a taxi cab and get dropped off at the wrong location because you're passed out. But you, sir, had a fun night. I mean, we did. You are a real man of genius. <laughs> <laughs> there, there almost should be a real man of genius for the guy who brings the box wine. Real man of genius. And that actually came from the whole slap in the bag thing, too. Like, that was a generation. Like, there was a period of about seven or eight years that that was actually like. It was like the icing of wine, probably. People going to parties and bringing a box of wine where they took the bag out of the box. They would put the bag over their shoulder. Yep. Like it was a camelback. Yeah. And they would go to a party with it and like have be like, hey, come over here. And they'd like, hey, you want to hit this? And like people would like drink out of the bag, but you had to slap the bag. Yeah. It was a weird little trend. Like I haven't seen it in a while, but there was like this late mid 2000s where that was kind of like popular ish. Yeah. It was weird. I have a costume idea that involves me being, uh, you know, I'm not gonna say it on here. I feel like but it involves a bag of wine and something else. I'll tell you it. I feel offline. like this is like a Saturday night, a Saturday night live yeah. skit. I'll tell you it after. So, what are your thoughts? Are your final thoughts on the wines? I mean, once again, Rodney Strong, great producer. If I was to say that, bring it to a party, I would expect a older generation to bring Rodney Strong, just because of the the. It's I think of it as an older brand wine. However, if you bring this to a party, 2000 and 16 vintage crowd pleaser be gone in a second yeah if i would have brought that to thanksgiving gone, oh, in, a second. gone in a second and those are wine drinkers those like wine those drinkers. are people that are like they're wine drinkers but i think that they drink wine sometimes based on the price point that yes. if you give them a quality cheap wine they'd have no clue there's uh, there was 14 10 10 four, 10 to 14 people let's go with 10 there's 10 people there three of us would know wine two of them 
appreciate good wine but don't know and the other five could care less they're just like oh yeah i bought like they'll be like the guys who brought the hundred dollar bottle and be like yeah i got it because it was a hundred bucks and not really care i would actually i think it'd be fun to actually do an event or a party with those guys sometime or some of those people that love those high-end wines and for us to pull out a bunch of ten dollar gems brown bag them be like hey we're going to do a tasting of bottles that are over a hundred dollars. I want you to brown bag and we're going to taste them all. And I want you to tell them and I want you to review them. And at the very end, we let you let them know that, Hey, by the way, we pulled a fast when they were all actually $10 bottles. So we're not going to have friends anymore. And and see just what happens if they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This stands up to the silver Oak 1998. And this stands up to the Quintessa and blah, 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 blah. And, It'd be kind of fun to try and pull off. You know me. I'm flat earth. Let's flat do earth, that. Flat earth. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. We got to do that with people that we'll never see if, again. If I, if I could find a way to troll somebody subtly. God, I love it. Without being a troll. Um, I'm all about it. I, I'm with you, man. I'm 100% with you, but not with people I like. <laughs> so people I kind of like will do it with That'd them. be a fun thing to actually do and then hook up the mics and be like, all right, guys, let's, re- let's, let's talk about what just went down. I like it. <laughs> All right, guys. So for future stuff, we're going to troll the hell out of you. Yep. I don't know how and or when, but we're going to do it. Wait. So yeah, so for your parties uh, this month, don't be ashamed to bring anything to it as long as you like it. That's my moral of this thing. Let's South Park this one. The moral of this whole thing is enjoy the wine that you want to grab and you want to bring and stand by it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you're sharing with friends. That's the most important thing. Yeah, that's and all that actually You matters. show up to my house with something to share with me, I'm... I'm you're my, you brought, you're my friend. If you brought a wine to a party, you already won by having friends that invited you to their party. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you bought a wine for yourself and you're sitting at home, well, I hope you got some really good wine, buddy. <laughs> so, cool. wrap it cool, up. guys. Always love you. Awesome. Take care. Yep. <laughs>